0: Tonight I would like to talk about uh, working with fear, with the energy of fear. When we begin to talk about working with fear in a Dharma sense, a couple things we're not interested in kind of takes us in the wrong direction. Unwise effort. One strategy, one approach which is unwise is trying to get rid of your fear. Get this sometimes in interviews where people want to get rid of their anxiety and worries and fears, and they hope a retreat will do that. And uh, it doesn't quite work that way. Another strategy um, that also doesn't work, which is this kind of idea about striving to become fearless. In fact, letting go of fear really has nothing to do with becoming. It has nothing to do with becoming fearless. In fact, it has nothing to do with having a particular agenda when it comes to fear. But working with fear and learning to let go of it, it's more about shifting our relationship to that energy. Instead of getting caught by fear, to being more inwardly spacious. Instead of the fear as unconscious, we become conscious. We become aware of it. Instead of identifying or clinging to fear, claiming it as me or mine, we begin to see it for what it is. We begin to see it for what it is. Instead of judging and reacting against fear, what we learn to do on the path of awareness is to be more open-hearted, more mindful, more wise and compassionate when we encounter this energy. Why fear is such a particularly difficult energy is first that our hearts and minds are deeply conditioned to react with fear. When we encounter a certain set of conditions, we're deeply conditioned to then react with the energy of fear. And oftentimes these reactions are old, deep, quite unconscious. Oftentimes we don't even know we're reacting that way. Another reason why fear is such a difficult energy to work with is that it's painful. And of course we've been conditioned, when we encounter pain, we've been conditioned to pull away, to get away from the pain to close down and contract around it, rather than open to it. Rather than respond with wisdom and compassion to pain, which of course is infinitely more useful, we run away from it. Something we we learned a long time ago and something that we get reinforcement from even today. Another reason why fear is such a difficult energy for many of us is because we feel vulnerable. And when we feel vulnerable, we don't want to have that feeling. We push it away. We cut off from these feelings of vulnerability. We try to contain them. We try to manage them. Or we, or we fail in our management and containment, and then we get overwhelmed by this energy. We get absorbed into the energy. Now a common strategy, common strategy that is not particularly effective, um, it's one that we all uh, are subject to, is we try to avoid the conditions that bring up fear. and Sometimes our, it's kind of like unwise attention. It's kind of, we, we're very good actually at slipping out of situations uh, that we know. Uh, I can remember uh, uh, growing up in, in school and all the things I would do to get out of giving oral reports uh, I would rather do like three papers, <laughs> anything, get sick that day, you know, go down to the nurse, anything to get out of my oral report. That's called avoiding, big time. And it brings a lot of suffering. In fact, what it does do is it reinforces the fear. Of course, it strengthens it, makes it so much more solid uh, than it actually is. Another response to fear, which creates enormous suffering in us, is that when that energy arises in our minds, when that energy arises in our hearts, we tend to judge it. We judge it. We condemn it. We judge it as bad. And of course, we condemn ourselves so often. One of the strategies that actually in, in in working with fear, things that we've learned, is to hide the fact that we're experiencing fear. One thing I've noticed in my own investigation, and I've been working with people, teaching practice groups on fear, and, and doing a lot of talking about it, um, is that people get very good at trying to hide their fears, but at the same time, they, when they start paying attention to their experiences, they begin to see the frequency of fear, just how predominant it is. And we kind of hide this. It's a secret, almost, that we're all so frightened. And in many ways, we're frightened of each other. I'll get to that in a minute. So, so often we identify with this energy of fear, and of course, we experience a lot of shame around this energy. And oftentimes, once again, when we experience fear over and over again, we get very discouraged. We get tired of working with that energy, tired of seeing it, tired of feeling it. We get discouraged, and we slide into resignation. When we slide into that state of mind of resignation, of course, fear becomes very solid. And of course, one of the responses to fear, which again brings a great deal of suffering and makes it very difficult to begin to work with it, to begin to investigate it, is of course this process of identification. How we tend to claim fear as mere mind. mine. Experience fear. It's not for most of us it's not just experiencing some difficult painful energy. But there's also the experience of difficult painful energy, but then it's my fear. That's me. And of course this gets in the way of opening to it. This gets in the way of investigating. It gets in the way of seeing the true nature of fear. gets in the way of us just letting that energy go. So before you claim the exclusive rights to your fear, I have a rather lengthy list here I want to go through and see if um, there isn't at least one or two that ring a bell. Okay, So some of the big ones. We'll start with the big ones and we'll move along. Even the small ones can be really big. The big ones are aging, of course, sickness and death, heavenly messengers. It's quite a bit, about, quite a bit of fear. And if we're honest with ourselves, uh, most of us can acknowledge that fact. Um, this fear of pain you know, is a conditioned reaction towards pain. And we can see that very clearly in the sitting practice, you know, where most of us encounter some degree of physical discomfort. And then if we're doing that more open awareness, so often the work with physical pain is also being mindful of your reactions of aversion to it, of contraction. And once again, of fear, encountering that energy of fear when it, when it arises in relationship to physical pain. There of course is fear around emotional pain, absolutely. You know, when we're experiencing emotional pain, so often it triggers that energy of fear we're fear of, there's fear of the unknown. That's a big one. obviously, that's a big one. Fear of change, fear of losing control, fear of loss. We can see this in our practice very clearly. So often when the mind gets quiet and we begin to go deep into the practice, the mind gets quiet. Maybe the chatter is getting, uh, you know, settling down a bit, and we begin to feel some kind of energy present. You know, so often, uh, fear kicks in. I know this was really common experience for me, uh, especially in longer retreats when the mind would get very concentrated. Oftentimes, this, there would be this feeling of loss of identity or loss of self, and it would tri- it would almost inevitably trigger this feeling of fear, and I would want to back away get away from the practice, distract myself in some way. And a lot of times it was quite unconscious. It took a while before I began to catch on that I would have a particular experience and then the mind would react to that experience with fear, contraction. When I began to recognize it, it began to lose its power. And that, of course, allowed me to continue on. Without seeing it, I would have continually backed away, continually distracted myself from something that really I didn't need to be afraid of at all, as I would discover. Self-doubt, extremely common form of fear. And self-doubt arises in the practice, obviously the sitting practice and the walking practice and on retreat, when we uh, are continually subjected to the hindrances, the wandering mind, the, doubt, uh, the doubts, the, fan, the uh, aversion in the mind, the judgment, the sleepiness, the restlessness, all of those states of mind, the difficult energies uh, that arise when we are practicing, the difficult energies that we inevitably face in doing this practice, so often they trigger that fifth hindrance of self-doubt, which is simply a fear, it's speculating. It's, a, it's, a, it's built on a concept of ourselves, Self-doubt is an investigating or questioning in an open-hearted way. Self-doubt is based on some idea of who we are, what we're able to do. Some kind of an assessment built uh, built up from the past, from our past experience. We also experience self-doubt not just on the sitting cushion but obviously in life itself. Oftentimes when we face change or something difficult going on in our lives, quite often, the mind reacts with fear and self-doubt. We also encounter fear when we when we begin to open to our emotions, you know, emotions like anger, and grief, and even fear itself. It's very interesting when we when we begin to open to that energy of fear, how often fear then arises in relationship to that energy. Then there's a whole category of fears, which make up ordinary life, everyday life of relationships, and 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 what, what I call them, I call them social fears. These social fears that we experience many of us on a daily basis, self consciousness, self consciousness, which is really kind of that observer, that voice that's worried about what other people are thinking about us. We do a lot of worrying about that. Uh, we're afraid of criticism, of not getting approval. Many of us have fear of conflict. You know, we'll do anything to avoid conflict sometimes. We're, fe- we're afraid of being excluded. Uh, we're, fe- we're afraid of being alone, isolated. And we can even hold contradictory fears at the same time. We can be afraid we can be afraid of being alone and isolated and also be afraid of intimacy at the same time. Yeah. Afraid of being with somebody, afraid of being trapped. Fear of being exposed, of being seen. So when we are afraid, we often don't we don't <laughs> want others to know about it. We don't want others to know about it. So many people arrive at the interviews. This is an interesting condition because this kind of condition on a retreat tends to provoke a lot of fear. And I've had several people come in and say, I'm nervous about the interview, an individual interview. They'll say this, I'm watching my fear, watching my anxiety. Uh, But Many people will talk about the fact that they were also anxious and nervous in the group, but they didn't want anybody else to know about it. They didn't want anybody else to know about it. And that's identifying with that energy. And we learn that. So what we want to begin to do in our Dharma practice is to begin to include fear in the field of awareness. Practice is fragmented until we begin to include this very predominant emotion, this very predominant reaction in the field of awareness. Practice gets very full when we can begin to open to this energy when it arises, and somehow, with practice, learn how to relate to it with a more open heart, learn how to relate to this energy with wisdom and discernment, because that's what we need, is wisdom and discernment in working with fear and also compassion recognizing the suffering not sitting back in judgment condemning the first step in letting go of fear is what narayan spoke about the other night, which is the risk of mindfulness. Taking the risk of mindfulness, because that's what it requires in working with this energy of anxiety, worry, or fear. It it means taking the risk to begin to meet it, to meet that energy of fear, rather than run away from it, rather than living in denial or pushing it away, or sitting there judging it and trying to distance yourself from it. Simply practicing uh, recognizing it and acknowledging it, and bringing loving attention to it, bringing fresh attention—that's that's that's the power of mindfulness. Uh, this is what allows us to begin to free ourselves from this energy. Is this this ability to actually meet the experience with fresh attention? So often, when we pay attention to fear, it's filtered through our conditioning about the energy. In other words, we might feel resigned, we might feel discouraged, or we might hate that energy, or we might be claiming it as me. Um, There might be a lot of identification. And so when we experience it, we suffer a lot because of that. When we can begin to meet the energy of anxiety, worry, or fear with fresh attention, that begins to facilitate this healing process. Because now we're doing something fundamentally different than all our training. We're doing something fundamentally different than all our conditioning. It's swimming upstream. Swimming downstream is contracting around fear and trying to adapt your life around it. Avoid all conditions that bring up fear at all costs. Mindfulness swimming upstream is saying, wait a second, wait a second. Do I have to live in this such a limited way? Do I have to keep running from this energy? Can I begin to just meet it for what it is? Simply a difficult, painful, constricted energy. It's a state of mind. It's not me or mine. Every moment of mindfulness leads to a deconditioning in the mind. That's the fruit of mindfulness. Every moment of mindfulness of fear, for instance, is facilitating a process of letting that fear go. Because as long as we're conditioned to relate to fear in a certain way or react to it with aversion, what we're doing is we're strengthening that energy. We're reinforcing it. Every moment that we meet fear with mindfulness, loving attention, we're no longer reinforcing that energy. We're no longer reinforcing that conditioned reaction and it begins to lose its power because we're not feeding it. We're not constructing something out of it. We're not imagining about it. We're seeing it for what it is. And so there's a letting go process. We're disempowering that energy of fear. But honestly, recognizing and acknowledging fear this sometimes is not enough, it's not enough. It's too powerful, It's too powerful. It's too deeply conditioned. We're, we're too identified with it. It, throw, it throws us out of balance. And it's very difficult for us to regain our balance until that energy passes. And so applying wisdom to the energy is crucial. It's not just enough to be mindful of the energy. Maybe in some kind of ideal world, it might be. But for us, mindfulness is the first step. It's the most crucial step. Because until we recognize and acknowledge that this is what our authentic experience is, we're never actually going to be able to understand the nature of it. We won't be free of it. We'll be carrying it with us. We'll be carrying that burden. So we need to learn to respond with wisdom. Fortunately, we're being given the tools. Right here on retreat, we're being given the tools. What we often want to do in terms of working with fear is to see if it's possible to develop calm in the face of fear. Is it possible to discover calm in the storm, in the storm of fear. In many ways, when we get caught up in fear, uh, just like that squirrel uh, the other night that Orion referred to, the squirrel mind. Well, we definitely have squirrel minds. Uh, Fear is extremely powerful. And when we get caught by fear, we don't see. We don't see the door. So often we don't see the door, the door out, the door to freedom. So one practice in working with fear is to go to the practice of the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. And I've worked with a variety of of contemplations of the body. And what I've seen in my own work is probably the most effective uh, effective, um, method is being aware of the touch points in the body, being aware of the contact of if you're sitting and you're feeling anxious or worried, being swept away, say you're sitting on your cushion, it would be to bring awareness to that contact with the cushion, to bring contact with the floor. You know, Something that's neutral and also something that's going to bring us back to the present moment. We all know that the nature of fear is that we experience it and then we speculate, of course, about the future. You know, we get taken out of the present, and we start projecting and speculating about what's coming next. Just think about what the experience was, especially for many new people, uh, what those first two days were like. Uh, you know, as you're sitting there, sweating and suffering. Um, how many times did you think, "I'm never going to make it through this for nine days"? You know, it's it's gonna if it's this bad, it's only going to get worse. I mean, immediately the mind projects into the future. Or when you're sitting there and you experience some pain in your body, notice that. The fear arises and immediately it takes us into where this fear is going to take us. Fascinating to see the mind, how it will suffer more in relationship to a speculation of where it's going than it can, than it does if it just takes a look and deals with the experience right now. Pain is so much that way. So much of our suffering is in relationship to what, where it's going to go rather than actually what is happening now. It's still unpleasant if we pay attention to it, but we let go of a lot of suffering if we can make our way back to the present moment. So working with touch points, extremely useful for anchoring our attention. You know, If you, if you find you're wandering around or uh, something happens in your yogi job that creates a lot of anxiety or worry or some memories come up about something that, you have to, that you're going to or something that you came back from or some problem that's unresolved and you find that you're anxious and worried about it, getting caught in that kind of pattern or habit. Helpful to first be mindful and acknowledge it, but then feel the contact with the cushion. Feel the contact with the floor. If you're walking, feel the bottoms of your feet. In other words, make your way back to the present moment. Anchor yourself back in the present moment. It sounds almost too simple. That's why most people don't even do it. It <laughs> sounds, sounds too simple. But actually it's really helpful. Genuinely helpful. Just for regaining balance, for coming back. Instead of having to go away from the experience or getting swept away into that world of thought, just reconnecting to the touch points. Very helpful calming practice, recentering. Another practice uh, which the Buddha taught was metta practice. Metta practice. Again, a very, very, very helpful practice in terms of bringing the mind into balance. When it's feeling anxious, when it's getting caught up in worries, when it's getting caught up in self-doubt or self-judgment, when it's getting caught up in strong fear, or even panic, when we're feeling overwhelmed. Extremely useful times, even if you're not on the cushion, even if you're not on retreat. Very helpful practice. To send oneself metta. Even sometimes sending metta to the object that's generating the fear. Another very, very useful practice. Metta is so powerful because it allows us to begin to let go of this feeling of separation. Fear, maybe in essence, is this awareness of separation or the illusion of separation, I should say. You know, this feeling of uh, self and other, disconnection, uh, a feeling of not being in harmony with nature, a feeling of separation. Metta allows us to begin to let that go, to be aware of the interconnectedness an interconnectedness of all of us. It begins to dissolve that line, that very fierce line that creates separation in the mind. Narayan mentioned a Thai forest master, Mahabua, who's still alive now, into his nineties, and uh, both Narayan and I practiced at his monastery. I got a chance to meet him, um, and uh, there's a really wonderful. Uh, uh, he wrote. He wrote a wonderful um, biography of a of his uh, teacher. But there's this, uh, Mahabhu had a reputation for being extremely fierce and intense. And even now, when I met him in his 80s, he was extremely intense. He's not really mellow in that sense of being relaxed and kind of kicking back. He's extremely vibrant, extremely intense, extremely present. and, And a lot of people are kind of scared of him, especially some of the monks. Uh, because he's he's so uh, he's he tends to be kind of demanding of his students, but there's one story uh, about him practicing as a young man in the forest, and, and is very close to where we were practicing, uh, but obviously the forest has changed a lot, I mean dramatically in what 50, 60 years, um, and when he was practicing, um, there were tigers in the forest, literally, tigers roaming the forest. And of course, that's where they practiced, was in the forest, they continue to practice in the forest. But when I was there, there was, the forest was basically overrun with wild chickens. It's true. It's true. Which really scared me, actually. (laughs) All these chickens that escaped from the nearby village actually settled in the forest around them, and they were always scuffling about, and <laughs> at night you're trying to do your practice, and you know you hear the fighting, and the scuffling, and the moving, and uh, it, was not, it was pretty scary, actually. <laughs> but it was no tiger, I could tell you that. <laughs> So this is a story where he is doing walking meditation and the monks continue to do walking meditation very much the same way 2500 years later and they they have a couple of big candles at each end of the tr- uh, path and they walk back and forth and a lot of the walking meditation is done at night you know, generate energy nighttime is considered a good time for practice and so Mahabhu is out there you know just imagine in the middle of this forest at night uh, Not like a lot of these cozy cooties that we had, um, which were pretty bare, but um, they were elevated and you felt pretty safe. Uh, He's out there doing walking, and at one point he stopped at the end of his path. He turns, mindfully, I'm sure, turns, and right ahead of him is this tiger sitting on the path, looking at him in a crouching position. Just imagine. i you know i can 't even imagine how terrifying that would be. You know these are person hunting I'm trained person hunting <laughs> tigers <laughs> both male and females <laughs> doesn 't matter to the tiger so <laughs> so the story goes that. Mahabu stood, watched the tiger, didn't move, and then sent Metta to the tiger. May you be at ease. (laughs) 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 I would assume, may you go away. (laughs) That's what I'd say, anyway. And, obviously, he lived to tell the tale. And, of course, the tiger away, left him alone. And this is a true story, as far as I can tell. Don't try that though. (laughs) If you find yourself in a dangerous situation, don't rely just on metta (laughs) to get yourself out of that, because there are also stories in this particular tradition, monks who think they're arrogant, and they've got all this metta, and they try to you know, They go into really dangerous situations and they do their metta practice and they don't actually get to tell the story <laughs> later. It's, it's true actually. So you can't rely on metta to uh, get rid of these things, but um, the point being is that it brings the mind into balance. It brings the mind into balance. If in working with fear, we work, say, with the touch points, say we try it you know, tomorrow or later tonight, if some anxiety or worry or fear arises, try working with the touch points or use the metaphrases, even just one metaphrase. If it happens off the cushion, just keep it very simple, send yourself some meta. If you notice that the mind is calming down, then it becomes much more pliable. It develops more of a capacity to begin to investigate this energy of fear. To begin to bring more sustained attention, loving attention, to the experience itself. When the mind isn't particularly calm, if it's really contracted or being pushed around or reactive. Very difficult to investigate the nature of the experience that you're trying to pay attention to because there's so much around it. When we talk about investigating fear in this framework of vipassana, We're not talking about trying to figure it out or analyze it or problem solve. Sometimes that's a useful way of investigating. But in this particular framework, we want to try something different. What we want to try to do is to see if we can bring sustained attention to the experience itself. One extremely useful investigative practice in terms of working with fear is once again to bring attention to the body that first foundation of mindfulness. But instead of going to the touch points, something neutral, something calming, to investigate the energy of fear by observing in a more sustained way, a silent, non-judgmental way, the physical sensations that are arising from that mental energy, from that emotion, from that reaction. This is another practice that I picked up really during that same retreat, because working with fear is such a, a major theme in the Thai Forest tradition. And one helpful investigative practice, this, this one I did solid for a month, which was to investigate anxiety, worry, or fear in the body to begin to, to experience just the physical sensations. How does that energy express itself? You know, is there contraction in the throat? Does the chest feel tight? Does the stomach contract? What's the temperature of the body? You know, the eyes, the face, the forehead. There's so many vibrations, so many different sensations that are arising when we're feeling anxious, worried, or fear, particularly if it's strong. And so, one way of investigating, one way to begin to see the nature, the energy nature of fear, a way of beginning to investigate it without identifying so much with that energy, is to begin to observe it as physical sensations. Not to get so caught up in the content, not to get so caught up, or even to put a lot of attention to that particular mental state. One has to acknowledge that it's present, but then one goes immediately to the physical sensations. One can do this with fear, but one can do that with any emotion. Many emotions show themselves in the body. With fear, it's a very effective way of bringing the mind more into balance, of not identifying, not claiming it as me or mine, but seeing it simply as energy. When we can begin to experience fear as energy, we're getting much closer to the way it is. When we identify with it, we're not seeing clearly. We're taking something that's impermanent and making it solid in our minds, making it self and it's not self. It's not self. Now is many of those fears that may have been common, we obviously all have a different history in terms of what provokes fear, how we feel, what we feel about that energy when it arises. All of those are often conditioned relationships or conditioned reactions to that fear. So we're all definitely different in terms of what kind of fears that we may experience under Certain conditions, and also how we relate to that fear. Um, But one very useful way to sort of uh, not get so caught up in the story, not identify with it so much, again, is is observing the sensations themselves. And there are often many sensations, some very dramatic, uh, some of them more subtle. Another way of investigating fear: we move into the arena of self-knowing, which is to begin to identify what conditions give rise to fear. Of course, fear is a conditioned state. It arises under certain conditions. And we need to get to know ourselves on this path. That's a significant part of this path, is getting to know what you do in relationship to the conditions that you find yourself in. How do I respond? How do I react when this happens? How do I react when the bell is late? How, how do I react if I oversleep? You know, noticing those reactions. Are you, are you get to the lunch late and there's not much food left. Or you don't have an interview scheduled for tomorrow. Or, or whatever it might be. Wh- whatever might disturb us. How do we react to these conditions? When it's hot out, what happens? How do we respond? How do we react? That's self-knowing. That's self-knowing, we need to take a look at that, um, all those conditioned reactions. So b- beginning to recognize those times when we're, we are reacting, and again, quite often they're unconscious. By getting to know ourselves this way, what we can do is begin to apply wise effort. know, wise effort isn't necessarily that you're just laid ba- laying back, kind of just observing the whole show. There's times when we have to pay more careful attention. There's, t- there's times when we have, t- have a tendency to get lost or identified or reactive or unconscious. Those are the times when we, ha- we have to recognize for ourselves when that happens and then to pay more careful attention to it. Not so much with the intention to fix ourselves, but with the intention to understand, to see, to see the suffering that's there. So getting to know ourselves that way. What we're doing is cultivating intimacy with fear. That's the direction we want to go in our practice. Not trying to get rid of it. Not creating distance, a separation from that particular emotion. But instead, cultivating intimacy, loving, non-judgmental, receptive attention. If we're not present, we're not being intimate. So we need to develop this ability to be more present with that energy. And then fear becomes much less threatening. It becomes much less powerful. Because now we're responding to it with intelligence. Rather than our conditioning, now we're responding to it with silent attention so that we can learn something from it. Finally, another way of investigating fear. So one way is in the body. One way is to begin to notice the conditions that trigger it. It's a conditioned reaction that triggers it. Another investigative practice is being mindful of our reactions to fear. In other words, anxiety arises. Then there's often another reaction to that energy. If the mind is paying attention, it will see that. There's anxiety and there's a knowing of the anxiety. You, know, it feel, you can feel it in the body, so there's a knowing, but then oftentimes there's another reaction. And so often the reaction that arises out of that feeling is aversion. We don't like it. There's a negative judgment about that, about that particular, It doesn't want to feel that particular experience. And if it's the hundredth time that you've experienced it, then quite often there's not just aversion, but then there's the discouragement, and resignation, and the identifying and claiming, saying, oh, I'm a fearful person, I'm an anxious person, I'm a worried person. You can feel the weight of that versus just opening one's heart to the experience, experiencing it fully, not pushing it away, cultivating metta if we're being overwhelmed so that we can then continue to open to it, be with it, watch that energy arise and pass away, just like a storm passing through clouds, you know, clouds passing through the sky. Exactly the same. Fear is fear is that exact nature. It arises like clouds, it has a particular energy, sometimes it's really stormy, a little bit scary, there's even lightning, and then the conditions change, they subside. So seeing fear is energy, is part of nature, nothing to be afraid of. But we need to pay attention to those reactions because otherwise we get caught there. If we get caught in discouragement or resignation, we reinforce the fear. We make it much more solid. It becomes me. And then the possibility for change is closed off. Then we carry it with us. So what I'm saying is that through the pac- practice of awareness, fear begins to lose its power. It begins to lose its power. And as it loses its power, and the power is through identification or reacting against, as, as the mind settles and opens and allows for that energy just to express itself, it begins to lose its power. And what happens is we begin to overcome this sense of separation See, when we get caught by fear, it reinforces this sense of separate self. In fact, fear comes out of this illusion of a separate self. But when we get caught by that energy, it reinforces it. And we feel more disconnected. We know that. We feel more disconnected and more separate, out of harmony, out of balance, often contracted and tight. So as we begin to allow fear to pass through, not to identify with it so much, uh, we begin to also let go of this feeling of separation. And we begin to recognize a fact of life. And the fact of life is that all of us here, everybody outside of here, anywhere you look, we're all part of nature. We are not cut off from nature, we're not separate from nature, we're one with nature. We're part of nature. And so often, that energy of fear is convincing us otherwise. When we, caught, when we get caught by that, we don't feel that way. We don't feel that way. It's not a peaceful feeling, it's not a sense of unity. So in the coming days, I just want to encourage you to work with the energy of fear if it arises. If it doesn't, fine. No problem. But if you notice the mind worrying, feeling anxious about things to come, fearful of this or that, uh, see if you can begin to include it. Take it as a mindfulness practice. Take it as an object of mindfulness. Work with the calming practices, or try to investigate it through the body or being more mindful of one's reactions to it. And see what happens. Can we sit for a minute?